Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we're talking Barbenheimer. Yes, it's a double episode. Film critic Lindsay Dunn joins to talk about Barbie, and after that, film critic Philip Price and I talk Oppenheimer. Plus, a special preview of the 2023 Kaleidoscope Festival coming up August 10th through 13th in Little Rock. Stick around. Welcome to Art House Garage. We're going to talk about Barbenheimer in just a moment, but before we do, I have a couple of special guests to tell us about a film event here in central Arkansas. Zach Baker is the president of Kaleidoscope, and William Moon is the feature programmer for the festival. Kaleidoscope is Arkansas's LGBTQ plus film festival, and it's coming up August 10th through 13th. I have been the last few years, and it's an excellent festival. Now let's hear from Zach and William about this year's fest. I'm here with Zach Baker and William Moon. Zach is the president of Kaleidoscope, and William is the feature film programmer. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having us again, Andrew. We always love being here and and uh, getting the chance to talk to your viewers about Kaleidoscope. Yes, absolutely. And it's a, it's a festival I look forward to every year. But for the people who haven't heard of it, what is Kaleidoscope and when and where is it this year? Yeah, so Kaleidoscope is the only LGBTQ plus film festival in Arkansas. We are going on our ninth season. Um, so we are super excited about that. Um, you know, we've kind of transformed over the years um, we've added some workshops now to our lineup. So we have the opportunity to take local filmmakers and help them hone their craft. Um, we've added a lot of fun parties, um, filmmaker meet and greets. Um, and of course, you know, as, as we continue to grow, we hope to add new things to really support the local film community here in Arkansas. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a festival. I, again, I always look forward to, I've only been in person a couple of times. I didn't realize year nine. That's exciting. Congrats. Huh. Um, well, what films are we looking forward to this year? And this may be a question for William. Are there short films and features, correct? Yes. Yeah. So there'll be, I believe, three short blocks. And then we have uh, seven feature, well, six feature films. But one of the feature blocks is going to be um, Mark Thiedemann's films. So, yeah, just to kind of give like a little quick rundown. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, Arkansas filmmakers uh, slash professors of UCA. We have a... Uh, Emily Railsback's uh, film, American Parent, and then Mark Thiedemann has a couple of short films um, that we're doing like as one block. Um, we have a couple of really great documentaries, uh, Black As You Are and Finding Her Beat. Um, we have a couple of really great French films. We've got um, The Lost Boys, not to be confused with the 80s vampire film. This is a, <laughs> a new film. And um, also Winter Boy. And then we we're also doing a brunch of uh, But I'm a Cheerleader um, as well. So a lot of variety and just, you know, something for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I love that it's local stuff and bigger stuff. And like, I always love, like, I'll, I'll be walking into a screening, like, I don't know anything about this movie, but it, I always know that with with you at the helm william we're going to get something really good with those features uh but at that brunch screening sounds super super cool too um and i was going to ask like besides the film screenings uh, obviously you have the brunch that's like a special screening uh, we there's workshops you mentioned and parties tell us a little bit about those 
Yeah. So, you know, last year we added for the first time ever those workshops. And so this year we have two um, that we are doing. And so one of those workshops is a, a personal is political storytelling from the heart. Um, and that's going to be led by Mark Thiedemann. Um, And then the other one, and I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize in advance. Um, the making of improvised cinema vierte style uh, uh, queer feature. So um, that is actually going to be done by the directors of American Parent, which is uh, Emily Relsback um, and Doreen Bartoni, um, who is the executive producer and co-writer of that. So they will be doing that workshop. Both of those are happening at Lucy's Place, which is right across from the studio theater. Um, there's no cost for the workshops. Um, so we hope people will come and take advantage of those Um and of course, in addition to our workshops, um, you know, we'll mention we have the special brunch screening of But I'm a Cheerleader, which we're all super excited about. The Root is actually catering that. So there's going to be oh, a wow. biscuit gravy bar um, and eggs and mimosas. And so we're, awesome. um, that should be a really fun time. Um, and then in addition to that, we also have a VIP filmmaker meet and greet. Um, so if you get a VIP pass, um, you're able to come join us at 610 on Saturday, uh, August the 12th at 12 p.m. for an exclusive uh, meet and greet with some of the filmmakers. Um, and then we're also doing a really fun event. Um, if you've never done it before, it's it's a lot of fun. It's our VIP trolley party. Mm. Um, so you're able to rent a one of the local streetcars here um, and decorate it, have an open bar on board, music. Um, so it's another great way for us to all kind of network and talk with the filmmakers and just talk about our thoughts on the films and enjoy each other's company. That's super cool. I saw the trolley party. I didn't know exactly what that entailed, but that sounds really cool. I'm excited to hopefully make it to that. Um, well, I'm super excited for the festival. Where can we learn more and get tickets and all of that? Yeah, so tickets are on sale. You can go to our website, kaleidoscopefilmfestival.org slash tickets. Um, just a general screening is $10.00 um short film blocks i believe are five dollars however if you want a film pass it's thirty dollars so that's a 75 dollar value for just thirty dollars wow. um, and of course vip tickets there's only a handful left um but those are going for 65 dollars wow well i'm so excited for it thank you guys so much for joining and, and telling us all about the festival that is coming up in just a few weeks i hope people will check out the website i will link to that in the show notes and always a pleasure having you guys on the show. And Thanks so much. Yeah. One piece of information that I did yes, forget tell to me, tell me. Sorry, yeah, that is that we do have three different panel, uh, three or four different panel discussions happening this oh, year. Yes. Um, so at the end of the film, so Mark is doing a panel discussion at the end of his film. We're bringing in the director of Finding Her Beat for a panel discussion. Um, HRC is holding a panel discussion after Black As You Are. Um, and then I also believe the directors of American Parent will also be doing a panel discussion. Amazing. So, yeah, the or, HRC one last year was excellent and, and definitely one that I look forward to. That's I'm glad to know they're coming back. Very cool. Thank you guys so much. And again, I'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you uh, for coming on. And I guess we'll say bye bye for now. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. I hope you'll check out Kaleidoscope this year. Thanks again to Zach and William, and you can find more info and tickets at the link in the show notes. All right, now let's talk movies. First up, Barbie. I'm guessing most of you listening know a thing or two about Barbie already. You've surely seen the memes, and based on the box office numbers, you've probably seen the film once or twice too. So I won't spend a bunch of time explaining it. 
But if you don't know, Barbie is the new movie from director Greta Gerwig about the iconic toy. It stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, as well as tons of other people, and it opened last week. It's quite an experience. It's funny. It's feminist. It's full of visually stimulating colors. And it's also quite weird. My guest is Lindsay Dunn. She's a film critic in North Carolina. She writes about cinema and interviews filmmakers over on her website, oneofmystories.com. That's the number one. And you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, or her podcast on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Just search One of My Stories or find links to all of that in the show notes of this episode. All right, without further ado, here is my discussion about Barbie with film critic Lindsay Dunn. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks Some things have been happening that might be related When my world shakes Cold shower Ooh. Falling off my roof ah! And my heels are on the ground <gasps> Bless me! What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer, Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay Dunn. How are you today? I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world, and I'm here to talk about Barbie <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect answer i love it um yes barbenheimer weekend is behind us how much i, I mean when was there this much hype for a movie anything uh, it's been exciting but uh did you is see there anything else coming question? out this yeah. year no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> what are we doing for the rest of 2023 my life is over um, did you see both barbie and oppenheimer and if so did you prefer one movie over the other or one film going experience over the other did you do a double feature how did you do that i saw both in the same weekend not on the same day though which yeah. would have been fun but that that was not to be yeah. uh it did see both in the same week and i preferred oppenheimer knew mm, i probably would just because i'm a big christopher nolan fan so mm. um he's one of my favorite directors so that movie was much more riveting for me but i did have fun with barbie interesting all right all right well, we're going to be kind of opposite actually it's funny i i really liked oppenheimer a lot as well um but i loved barbie anywho i also did not do a double feature i'm sure that would have been fun but i think it would have been exhausting also um mm -hmm. i went thursday night with my wife and a couple like a double date and had a great time with barbie and then um when saw Oppenheimer last night by myself and uh yeah both, both wow films. fresh off the grill then for Oppenheimer <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah still 
still processing Oppenheimer. I'm um, mm-hmm. talking about that one with uh, Philip Price tomorrow, and that'll be in this episode as well. But yeah, do you have any Oppenheimer thoughts? Sorry, I sound like you're really into Oppenheimer. I should have had you for both. But um, <laughs> what did you, can you say two sentences about what did you like about Oppenheimer? It was a <laughs> biopic done right. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. succinct. <laughs> Yeah, I think but that's, you don't that's want right. that yeah. Wikipedia page. You want the you want a movie that communicates how the person felt about themselves, mm. and gives us a way to decide how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the movie did that very well. That is an excellent analysis, and uh, I'm so glad I asked because that that's really great. Yeah, and, and it helps me to even process the movie more, having yeah just seen it sat for the three hours i went to the it's, it's not imax but like the whatever the premium thing at cinemark and it was like the big screen i was like uh. but anyway <laughs> yes i really liked oppenheimer but let's talk about barbie um i i'm a big greta gerwig fan and and so like with christopher nolan i've said this a few times but like i really like most of his movies but i feel like lately i've been a little bit less invested like i did not really care for tenet that much and um so i was just like I was like, I'm, I'm excited for Oppenheimer, but Barbie looks great. And, and uh, yeah, I really love both Lady Bird and uh, Little Women from a few years ago. And so I, I was just all in for, and it's such an interesting next movie for her with those two things. And we can talk about what she's going next after that too. But so let's talk about Barbie. Did this movie work for you generally, or do you, your kind of general thoughts about the movie? It did overall, like I said, I had a great time watching the movie, but I feel like it had sort of an identity crisis. Hmm, On the one hand, it wanted to be a funny, lively comedy that Mm -hmm. we enjoyed because of the jokes and the, the banter and the kind of satire of our culture. And then it also wanted to communicate some really deep thoughts about the world. And for me, those two things don't <laughs> go together. I would say this is Greta Gerwig. So she managed to keep it from falling apart. But because it wasn't one, because it tried to do both of those things, it wasn't I couldn't fully enjoy it maybe to the Mm. fullest of my abilities and maybe that's an error of me but I like a good silly movie and then I like a good deep thought movie but I guess I just don't like both of those things at the same time yeah that's fair yeah and I, I I feel the same way about it except it mixing those two things is as unusual but i thought it really worked and that's why i liked it so much so yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting that i think we just have opposite kind of directions on it mm-hmm. but yeah it is so interesting to think about greta gerwig's career trajectory to this and then next she's doing the chronicles of narnia movies which i can't even like wrap my head around that it's like it's so bizarre like that's such a odd choice that it seems like i won't be surprised if a year down the road that doesn't happen you know oh she's no longer attached or whatever who knows but it um it's such a different thing than anything she's done so far but anyway yes the the feminism was more central than i expected like i i knew it would have you know feminist bent to it but it's like that's the whole plot of the movie um which was surprising in a good way to me 
Um, and I was also afraid it would be too like, I watched the trailer. I was like, okay, so it's just the Lego movie, right? It looks like the same kind of, um, we live in this perfect world. We're going to the real world. We've got Will Ferrell as the boss. Like it's so similar. Is this going to be just too, too on those? And it's about toys, right? Uh, but I think it, it did do enough of its own thing. Um, although the, the similarities are undeniable, but, um, yeah, I think leaning so much into the feminism made it different enough. And yeah, it was just like sillier than I expected too. Like I, I mean, I guess from the trailers I should have expected it, but it's, it felt like, you know, hot rod or barb and star go to Vista Del Mar with a social message, which as you're saying is an odd pairing, but um, I thought it worked pretty well. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of my general thoughts. What did you think about the, the feminist aspects of the film? One thing I think that's interesting about the feminist angle that I did appreciate. So it's good to start with the positives first. (laughs) I thought it was interesting that they were sort of juxtaposing this idea, like number one, what the intent of Barbie was originally kind of putting that into the narration Mm -hmm. that Barbie was meant to be empowering and also, um, give people a role model and also Barbie could be anything. So it was meant to do all these positive things, but like anything you try to put the out there in the world, a positive intent can be used for negative things. And so mm-hmm. instead, often people looked at Barbie as an impossible standard they couldn't live up to. And that's very well depicted by the character of the, her, <laughs> of America Ferrer's daughter, She represents that sort of mindset about Barbie. But as I was thinking about this movie last night, I kind of, I was thinking about that aspect of why things become necessary. Because in this world where we, things are reversed, right? In Barbie's world, Ken is sort of sidelined and he's a side Mm -hmm. character. And then he goes out into the world and and he learns about <laughs> he learns about patriarchy, patriarchy and how great it can I be. It was all about horses, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but the the fact that making a Barbie was almost necessary. Like, why was a Barbie world created? A Barbie world was created. The conclusion I'm drawn to from the, if I'm looking at this movie and believing it is the reason a Barbie world was created was because of the patriarchy being part of the patriarchy so we had to create this separate world on the side where women could be thriving and feeling good about themselves and so i think that's a really intriguing message to sort of muse upon um so i liked that part but i did i don't like when women give these big speeches about it Mm. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know if you if you remember the um, She-Hulk when that came out. I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty aware of it. Okay, well, yeah, in the first episode, in the first or second episode, one of the episodes where she gets together with her cousin, the Hulk, she makes this big <laughs> speech where she it's very similar to the speech here where she's kind of complaining about how you have to be perfect and you have to do mm-hmm. these certain things. And there was this huge division of like, some people were like, yeah, I love this. I'm seen, I feel seen. And other people were like, wow, this is so heavy handed and almost like Mm -hmm. you're beating me over a stick with these thoughts. So I didn't like how the feminism was handled in that scene. Mm -hmm. I liked when it was a more, a little more either comedic 
or sort of subtle and written into the narrative where you could pick up on it and 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 think about it and go, huh, you know, why was the Barbie world created? Like, that's the kind of stuff I get into where I'm allowed to come to my own conclusions rather than mm-hmm. somebody trying to speak for me as far as how I should feel as a woman or how I might feel as a woman. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because you're right, that is that one scene where it kind of dips out of the silliness into like, okay, now we're just being serious for a second with mm-hmm. America Ferreira's big, big monologue. Because even later when they're tricking them in and she's like <laughs> saying those like little quips about like, yeah. like waking, waking the women up, um, it's still funny in those moments too. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was, I think what you're saying at first, like I think that is a really clever way into the story too. That's what I was going to say about like, yeah, Barbie was created to be this you know, this thing, and like, oh, we fix feminism, like we fix the world, and that's what they all believe in Barbie world. And then, of course, she gets to the real world, and it's like, not at all. And uh, yeah, I think the some of the most clever stuff is when they enter the real world, and like the way people are treating her, the way men are treating her, and the way men are treating Ken, and they're like mm-hmm. realizing like that's it's really funny, but also thought provoking to like, you know, if you'd never knew misogyny existed what would it feel like to like suddenly be immersed in it um she walks up to the construction workers like these seem like shoot straight shooters or whatever like like not knowing the stereotypes um but yeah and then i think where it takes ken's story was surprising to you i saw a tweet that was funny that said who would have guessed that the plot of the barbie movie would be preventing ken from doing january 6th <laughs> like that's a funny way to put it but but yeah like the way the patriarchy and all of that corrupts the barbie world um is i thought was clever and funny and yeah just not what i expected from this movie at all but um yeah yeah it was surprising for a movie that was about feminism it did have i feel like it did do a good job kind of communicating this idea that like I don't know. It, it did represent Ken Wells as well as how he might feel like Barbie gets a chance to feel like what it would be like Ken. Now, he doesn't necessarily go out and get sexualized by construction workers um, mm-hmm. that we saw in the movie, at least. But um, but she does get a chance to feel like how it is to be sort of dismissed and be like, well, you're not needed right here because you're not part of this group or you're not part of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting how that was brought in in a in a pretty subtle way but but also it gives people um food for thought that even as we're celebrating as even as we're celebrating being a woman and, and enjoying that does that mean that we need to be dismissive of of our friends you know our male friends yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like it, there's uh, there's a lot of time given to like kin processing what does this mean like yeah, and I, I guess I haven't really spoiled anything yet. We don't have to spoil the very ending, but like, yeah, just he gets, uh, he gets. M- there's more time spent on like, how does he feel about all this than I expected as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else did you like or not like about the Barbie movie? Um, I I don't know all of the sort of sly allusions to classic Hollywood movies that um mm-hmm. you know I, I did cheat a little bit I had I did get to see a video where Greta Gerwig talked about like this many movies that uh, cool. helped her inspire but some of them I would have I would have picked up either way 
you know, things like the the dream sequences from from Singing in the Rain, um, mm-hmm. like during the Ken sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just obviously, you know, she has this love for classic movies that she kind of puts in slyly and and uh let's see the performances of ryan gosling i mean margaret robbie's great too but he is so funny like he's just Mm -hmm. a very he's he excels at comedy he can do everything but he's very just naturally funny um kate mckinnon also was really funny in her role being weird barbie (laughs) (laughs) um there were some, you know, Barbie's basically having this existential crisis, and I like how she slowly becomes, you know, in touch with the idea of humanity and the the risks and benefits that come with that, mm-hmm. that sort of journey where it's like, almost a Pinocchio story or, you know, yeah. AI, like the character mm-hmm. Haley J. Osmond, I want to be a real boy or a real, you know, a real woman. Um, yeah. So that was, and I guess that where it's, that's where it kind of slides away from the, the funny stuff and becomes mm-hmm. a little more serious or heartfelt. She did a good job with that. Um, One of the scenes that really hit me, I think, was when she's talking to the daughter, the the daughter of America Ferreira. I'm sorry, I don't Mm. remember that character's name, but she talks to her and her friends and they're kind of like, they really give it to her like, you're part of the problem with the messages that have been given to us. And she looks so like completely shocked and hurt to to understand that like oh these people don't love Barbie, you know mm-hmm. they they don't they dislike Barbie. <laughs> um, Her world falling apart. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tear, the like single tear that she's yeah. able like, to like drop. Um. So yeah, then then that's a fun callback to um. You know her role in in the in, in Babylon. In Babylon, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the, the crying on command. The single thing. tear. Even later, she yeah. cries again, and I was like, "It's that Babylon training." There she goes. She's using. Yeah. It. And it's like not in a funny moment, you know. Yeah. So what yeah, about, about what about you? Yeah. You, I, I am curious. You said you liked. I don't know if you shared this, but you said you liked the feminism the way it was done. Like, what did you like about it? Yeah, I think it just the fact that it was so central because I I expected it to just kind of pay lip service and be like, oh, we're going to, you know, throw in some feminist quips here and there. But like the fact that he discovers patriarchy and brings it back and like um, and also it's calling that it's what I think is so bizarre about this movie. It's such a weird movie. I can't believe that it exists a lot of because of the the role of Mattel in the movie, because Mm -hmm. like this is a Mattel produced film and it doesn't. Mm -hmm put Mattel in the greatest light. Although I think it's, it's like heightened and silly enough that that's probably how Greta Gerwig got away with it. I'm really curious if like, if they were like, you have to tone down the anti-business or the anti-capitalist stuff or at all. I I wonder what that process was like, because yeah, like we have Mm -hmm. this room full of men who are like, um, Oh, we love women. That's why we make Barbie. Uh, But also clearly it's about the money like that, the funny moment near the end when 
there's like an idea for a new barber and he's like that's a terrible idea and then the cfo is like actually that'll make money he's like that's a wonderful idea we'll definitely do that so like it's it's pointing out the hypocrisy in that and like makes this whole 1984 feeling world of the mattel offices um yeah so i just thought that was so weird and like unexpected and, and like kind of feels bold to to go there with it all um but yeah then just to to bring everything back to that you know message of womanhood and all that i thought was really well done um but yeah i think too like what you're saying with the classic film stuff i loved just how many like sight gags and stuff especially in like the opening little bit like we have the lizzo song that's commenting on things as we're seeing them and uh the, like showering with no water and like looking at a mirror with no mirror like those things remind me of like charlie chaplin or like even like jacques tati things like i think that's i don't know i haven't seen what what influenced greta gerwig but that felt like potentially some of the things there but yeah i think margot robbie's great yeah. ryan gosling as you're saying just so perfect in this and i think my the funniest thing for for him for me first of all like like I love him in La La Land, but I think a lot of people maybe rightly were like, he's not all there with the singing and dancing. And like, it's a good role, maybe not a great role. But I think since then you can see like he's pushed that further. And I think I feel like he's improved in that way because uh, he has this, the singing and dancing number, but like, he's just so funny. And um, like, I think about the moments when he's there in the real world and he's like slowly realizing the way men are treated here. And like, he's just like amused and like, so excited <laughs> that energy was so hilarious to me anyway so i just want to mention ryan gosling as being so good i love simu liu in this he's sort of my if i have a, a man crush in the world it's simu liu so i was I'm glad he got a lot of screen time um hari neff plays the like the doctor barbie i think she's really good uh yeah i think largely all the performances are really really good oh and yeah as you were saying um kate mckinnon is Michael Sarah as Alan. I was like, yeah. I don't even know who Alan is. I mean, if nothing else, you get a like li- really nice historical reference for, yeah. for Barbie mm-hmm. more than you maybe even wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. One of the most fun things about the movie, I think, was just how much of a surprise it was in general mm-hmm. because the trailer, you were, you really just had no idea what the plot mm-hmm. was going to be. And it has a banger of a song, an earworm that just can. I cannot get that song yeah. out of my head now. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And like that, that whole sequence and like they're dancing, like the dance fighting sort of between them is so good. Like I feel like I could watch that scene a hundred times and still find it funny. Yeah. I think uh, for all those reasons. Yeah, definitely. I mean, out of Barbie and Oppenheimer, it's definitely the funnier of the two. Um, and, and yeah, like, as you're saying, maybe the most like, fun theater experience but um yeah i really enjoyed barbie uh it sounds like you had some qualms but mostly enjoyed it would you say mm-hmm. yeah i had fun i'm i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad they made it that yeah. it's it's around now for all the memes we want to use it for so it'll yes. it'll never die <laughs> we'll be able yeah, to have exactly. just can memes for like the rest of our days yeah um, you know and it's it's probably like i don't know this this I'm not saying that this will be the best movie of the year by any means, but it does feel like the most 2023 movie. Like, will there be another movie that has this much hype and like universal? Actually, a friend of mine was saying it's like, you know, we don't really have the monoculture anymore. Like in the fifties when everyone was watching the same TV shows every day and that kind of thing. But like everyone's seen the Barbie movie. It feels like a moment that uh, is kind of special culturally. So yeah, 
Pretty cool. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us today. And I really appreciate your time and your thoughts on this movie. And I'll have to have you back very soon. Yeah, of course. I would love that. Where can we find you online just before you go? You can find me at one of my stories on all the social handles or one of my stories.com where you can find all my reviews. I also have a podcast and a YouTube channel. All everything's found under one of my stories with the number one of my stories. I will link to all that in the show notes as well. And I do encourage you to go check out Lindsay's writing. It's very good. And I always appreciate the angle you take to different films, but thank you so much, Lindsay. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Andrew. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Huge thanks to Lindsay. It's always a pleasure to hear her thoughts. And now let's talk Oppenheimer. This is, of course, the latest film from director Christopher Nolan about J. Robert Oppenheimer, who led the Manhattan Project and produced the world's first atomic bomb. Killian Murphy stars in this dense and visually arresting biopic that also stars Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, and many others. My guest for this conversation is Philip Price, the film critic behind Tavern Talk, the YouTube show that recently ended, but there are tons of episodes that are well worth your time. Philip has been on the show many times at this point and is one of my very favorite movie friends. And now let's hear my conversation with Philip about Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Detonator charged. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. Have a 12 month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Philip Price, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, Andrew, I am doing great. As always, thank you uh, for having me. Thank you for having me back. I'm, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on, on Art House Garage. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, always love any excuse to talk to you about movies and uh, love having you on the show. It's been a while. I think we talked about um, Blonde last. I was just realizing that was. Oh, almost. yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. The much, <laughs> the much adored Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of us were like, I don't know how to feel about this movie. <laughs> At the time. Yeah, I was like, and I don't think anybody else watched it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that thing came and went. That's true. Well, today we're talking about Oppenheimer, but it's also you know 
Barbenheimers is behind right. us. What did you uh, did you see Barbie as well? And what were your two movie going experiences like? Did you do a double feature? How'd you do it? I wanted to. I, I really did. I wanted to have the full experience, um, but I also had. Um, I told my wife I'd I'd see Barbie with her. Um, and there wasn't any way we were going to get away with uh, a sitter for, you know, seven, eight hours yeah, <laughs> for exactly. the double feature. Like so um, ironic or not, I don't know, ironically, but um, I, w- I went and saw Oppenheimer on the opening Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was actually going to see Cobweb. or I think that's the name of it. It was that the smaller uh, uh, horror film that opened last week. And oh, yeah, um, just to, just like to see what it was going on. Um, but then I went to get my ticket and the, the later show after Oppenheimer got out, the later show had been canceled or not canceled, mm-hmm. but like it had been removed from the schedule. So um, I went just like real crazy and saw Oppenheimer a second time. So I'm Wait very prepared for this conversation. <laughs> you tell me you saw Oppenheimer <laughs> twice in one day? I did. Two, oh, oh I did. wow. Yeah. That's intense. Wow. I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> I, have, I, I, that I kind of, I felt that way after the the first viewing ended. I was like, oh yeah, man, that was, that was intense. That was very, that was a lot. I don't know if I, but then like the, the, the crazy part is between the ending of the first one and the start of the second one was probably like another three hours. So I had three hours to kind of go and decompress awesome. a little bit, have dinner, and then mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, you know what? I really, really loved it. And I kind of want to know why uh, even more like I want. And I, you know, and you know, you have kids and a family yeah. and family events and activities going on at summer. There's no routine. So I was like, you know what? I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to maybe see yeah. this again. So I just was like, That's I'm going to bite the bullet and, and go ahead and see <laughs> six hours worth of Christopher <laughs> Nolan tonight. Um, wow. But I am I'm seeing impressed. Barbie uh, the night, uh, of this recording. So I, I, I'm very excited to go see Barbie tonight. I know you saw it recently, um, as well, but, um, but what did you do? You, did you, yeah. you didn't do the double feature too? No, did you? I didn't. Yeah. Same, same thing. Okay. Like, ah, can we get a sitter for that long? I don't think so. Right. Yeah, we saw my, we did go on a double date. My wife and I saw Barbie Thursday and then I oh, went nice. to Oppenheimer, uh, Monday after the, I mean, which was amazing. Cause it was still like, you know, a lot has been said about this is such a great weekend for the box office and for cinema mm-hmm. and all that. And still like Monday night was packed at the, it was at the rave at the, their like XD screening, whatever premium. Okay. Thing. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, Barbie, actually Barbie was also packed on that Thursday night, which I, I guess it was to be expected, but I haven't gone to an opening night like that and had a full theater in a long time. So that was pretty cool. But, um, it was, yeah. it was, I saw yeah. the first showing I saw at five o'clock at the IMAX on Thursday oh, and nice. it's the IMAX, obviously that little rock offers, which is mm-hmm. not full, um, 70 millimeter film, you know, which right. is of course what everybody is trying to see it in or anybody yeah, who yeah. cares about that is trying to see it in. Um, but it's still, you know, the sound system is pretty impressive and the screen is bigger than even like the XD screen. Cause I, yeah. the second time I saw it on Thursday and I, I, I went to Cinemark and uh, saw nice. it on their XD screen and the same one you did. Um, so, but it was, I mean, it was still, uh, uh, you know, a similarly immersive experience, but yeah, that, yeah the five o'clock on a thursday that imax theater was packed i hadn't seen it like that and i don't know how long it was funny because the night before it was like oh, i'm gonna watch 
or two nights. I'm going to watch the dark Knight again. Cause it's 15 years since it came out. Mm-hmm. And that was that first, the first movie I'd seen in that, in that IMAX theater that opened oh, cool. in Little Rock. So it was kind of funny, like to be like, ah, oh. it, it was another Nolan movie, 15 years later, a packed IMAX house. It was, it was, it was kind of cool. Yeah, the, the poetry cool. of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. You know, I'm remembering, I saw dark Knight there as well. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Long ago. Yeah. yeah, when they actually had uh, uh, actual midnight showings. Yeah, I think I think it, it probably was not even again had been out for a week or something because it was oh. the second time I watched it. <laughs> oh but yeah, I nice. do remember seeing it at the IMAX. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about Christopher Nolan. So, yeah, are you a pretty big Nolan fan generally? Yeah, ge- I mean, generally, like uh, I was gonna say, I mean, I, I didn't see Memento. I probably um saw batman begins first just because mm-hmm. that was like um uh graduated high school it was the summer after i graduated high school that batman begins came out yeah, yeah. you know i was in the into movies and stuff and uh you know obviously loved you know a, oh a new batman movie cool the guy who made memento i'd heard of memento probably mm-hmm. faked like i'd seen it just for the street cred <laughs> but um but uh, you know had to go back and watch memento and um insomnia and so went back and watched those probably, but, and then, uh, he got me with the prestige. Cause like in between, mm, yeah. you know, in between Batman begins and dark Knight, he did the prestige and that one, um, that one just completely hooked me. And I, I feel like I've been hooked ever since. And yeah, you know, it's, um, dark Knight. I always tell people is like greatest movie going experience of my life. Like just completely, uh, yeah. just like, it was everything I could have hoped for. It was so good. And then, yeah, it just continued to like, in a, like inception. I haven't watched inception in a while actually, but I remember just being bowled over by that too. The first time yeah. I saw it, uh, you know, Dunkirk equally that I, that was, I'm pretty sure it was pretty high up in my top 10 that year. Um, you know, I even like tenant and I said this, uh, to somebody else after watching Oppenheimer the other night that, you know, where's tenant, you know, kind of felt like he was like spinning his wheels, like greatest hits doing his thing. Like you kind of feel like um, you could see the wheels turning a little bit more in that one than in mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like had a lot of fun with it and enjoyed uh, obviously just the scope of it and everything. Cause nobody operates on the scale yeah. and scope mm-hmm. of, of Nolan. So it was cool. But yeah, this Oppenheimer just um, it's kind of like his, I don't know. It feels like everything was kind of leading to this in a way, but uh, I might be getting ahead of myself there. Where where do you uh, come out, <laughs> Nolan, from? Yeah, yeah. No, I think similar to you, like, I think Batman Begins was probably my first Nolan movie. And then I was like, oh, who is this guy? And then saw Memento and absolutely loved it. And then, of course, through the Dark Knight trilogy and all that. But then, yeah, I think I, I can remember seeing Inception as well. So, yeah, I think like when I was really getting into movies, I was like, oh, this is a big name, someone I really, really like. Uh, and I think in the years since then, I'm, my enthusiasm has waned just a little bit, but I still think, you know, all of his movies are very, very good. Um, like, so I have like one complaint about this that's more related to like maybe something, a take of his screenwriting that we can talk about in a minute. But like, yeah, like I did not love Tenet. Um, and, and this feels like, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. I want to okay. talk about that a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but VX, yeah, I, I, I thinking about like his previous films and stuff leading to this, maybe as you're talking about. Um, but, but generally speaking, I really like Oppenheimer a whole, whole lot. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that nice. some more, but yeah. So yeah, there was so much hype around this movie. Did, did you feel like it lived up to the hype? I did like, this is, um, this is definitely in my top 
three Nolan, it maybe not. Nice. Wow. The, um, um, I, you know, and I, I, I feel like I can, I maybe know what you're talking about as far as, uh, the complaint and the screenplay and everything. And, um, you know, the things that he's been kind of knocked for in the past. Um, but, uh, but honestly, I, I think this might be, you know, he has grown in those certain regards, whether it be the, the female characters mm-hmm. or the kind of the coldness of his, of his scripts, you know, the lack of emotion, like genuine emotionality or the, um, you know, kind of the, uh, uh, I guess the bluntness of his themes, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's sometimes isn't the most subtle, uh, which there is a line in this one about, um, I'm not that subtle, which I thought was kind of self-referential and pretty funny, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I feel like there's definitely been some growth in that. And this, this, I feel like to, you know, to this point, I was, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I was like looking at how old he was at certain, you know, when he made certain mm-hmm. movies and everything, I was like, Oh my God, he was 38 when he made the dark Knight, And I'm two years mm-hmm. away from that. And I'm just like, what yeah, have I yeah. done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what have I done with my life? But, um, no, it, it was just like, okay, but you know, he's, he's older now. And I, I honestly think this might be the best. Cause I don't know. I didn't even check if there was like a co-screenwriter credited on this one. You know, sometimes he's got a co-screenwriter yeah. or, or maybe it's just, I know this is based on the, uh, the American Prometheus book. Um, so I, maybe just having that source material helped. Credit or something. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking maybe, to see, uh, writers are Christopher Nolan, Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin. I'm wondering if those are. Uh, yeah and i think bird and sherwin are the um the writers of the the writers of the book the book i think that's correct yeah that's but uh like. so maybe just having that source material really mm-hmm. helped him because uh, it and honestly the and, you know the, the the way this is edited the intercutting like of the two different or the couple different timelines he's got yeah. mm-hmm. um you know might really complement the writing as well uh, as far as the construction of the movie but i uh yeah i really I, to answer your question, yes, this absolutely lived up to the hype for me. And I, I didn't, I was maybe the least excited for this one of any Nolan movie yet. Cause it was like, mm. oh, this is, I mean, not, not that I wasn't excited. I'm always excited to see what he's going to do just because he isn't a, a super interesting, bold, you know, uh, filmmaker who is mm-hmm. able to work at a level not many people are these days on yeah. these types of stories. Um, but it was like, oh, this is going to be a historical you know, a biopic of about, you know, and I knew the out, you know, the basics of the Manhattan project and mm-hmm. Oppenheimer and kind of what the general story was, but not a lot of detail, but I was like, Oh, this, this might feel more by the numbers than any of his other movies, but then just mm. to get what he actually delivered with it and to understand what he was trying to do with the story. And, uh, you know, it's similar themes to what he's explored before, but just it being actual history really, again kind of just bowled me over and was uh sobering at the same time so it was uh yeah it, it surpassed the hype for me yeah I, I mean me too i think so too like this is a great example of like i don't think i'm like that interested in history but when someone like tells tells the story of history in a really engaging way it's mm-hmm. like, so good so like i think just yeah like, learning the details of like seeing the different scientists niels Bohr showing up and like all of that was so good and i i loved all those all those bits and pieces to it. Um, but yeah, so generally I have a lot of good things to say about this movie. The one kind of complaint and, and it, it's actually not what you're, I think you're, so you, you mentioned like he's often been um, uh, criticized for his like depiction of women, not being fully fledged characters or, or like being emotionally cold, like you're saying. And I did key into that and I was paying attention to that. And I, 
my feeling was that he maybe did a little bit better with those things in this movie, but I'm curious to hear what other people would say about that. Like, yeah. I think the Florence Pugh character, Jean, is, is really interesting and is important to the story. No, we don't really get a ton of background about her, and she maybe is a bit... Um, I guess her, you could say her character is kind of like uh, unstable in, in some way, but um, but I thought, I mean, her performance was very, very good. And also Emily Blunt, I thought was phenomenal, especially in like that um, kind of final scene mm-hmm. that she gets, not to spoil anything, but uh, she really has some great acting moments. So yeah, I'm curious to hear what other people say about that. But um, it's more for me, and this is something I first noticed in Inception, is like so i think what he's good at doing or what he often does and i think maybe with some more success than others like he creates this sort of world and like its own system and then he like blows your mind within that so like Mm -hmm. inception like we didn't have any you know idea what is this whole dream situation how does this work like we have to learn that and then we have a mind-blowing thing at the end Um, or like in the prestige we learn the rules of like what they're doing and like the sci-fi ish things that are happening and then we have a crazy moment within that and so like it's like oh these these like mind-blowing twists are really cool but and maybe i'm just like being way too nitpicky about this but like the fact that he's he's blowing our minds within a system that he also created so like it begins to feel a little bit manipulative or something yeah um and and i think for i think another problem that it can lead to is like in inception and I like Inception. I think it's really well done. And and I think what he does so well is like multiple timelines and all of that, which you're saying he does here as well, really well. Um, but like there are scenes where they're just like spitting out new rules of how this sci-fi world works like constantly. And it's like hard to keep up and it's just so much exposition, I think. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that is something like Tenet where he like doesn't give us any rules. It's like, just don't worry too much about it. And like, that was more frustrating for me, but, (laughs) (laughs) and I think like interstellar does that to some degree as well. So it's like, I think those like big, big moments that he builds to sometimes don't have quite as, um, as much impact for me because it's like, okay, but yeah, this is like, you created this whole thing. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe that's a weird thing to say, but then like with the prestige, it also does that, but I really like that. I think it's maybe the best, um, example of that because not to spoil the ending of that but like it has a really shocking and thought-provoking ending yeah that like relies on you know this system that he's created in the the previous two hours of the movie um but then it also has like a symbolic sort of uh, uh resonance too about performers and what links they'll go to and that sort of thing it's like that ending i think is so good um and it's like maybe that one's a little bit more grounded in reality too or something that worked better for me i don't know all that to say i love dunkirk and and um and and oppenheimer a whole lot i think the historical aspect of it is helpful i think there is a little bit of that um and to to fully i can't say what it is without spoiling we'll talk about spoilers in the end Mm -hmm. Uh, but like there's really like kind of like one twist sort of thing that um it's like it, it was compelling but also like feel like i can see this the strings he was pulling to to like lead us there in a way that okay. just start to feel just a little manipulative and it's like it could have been like a little more organic or something anyway that's all i'll say about that because i i really do like christopher nolan a whole lot and i do like this movie a whole lot um it's just my one my one little critique but let's talk about good things so let's do non-spoiler first and then we can talk spoiler stuff what okay. non-spoiler things about oppenheimer did you appreciate um i i I guess um, 
maybe it's so hard to put into words. Like I, it's almost like the movie is so dense. It's hard to kind of like, um, even gather like a through line of, of what exactly I appreciated about it. But, um, I just, uh, I thought the technique, you know, obviously that's kind of Nolan's bread and butter. You know, he, Mm. he shoots on IMAX cameras and you know, it's real film and, um, you know, the scores, uh, of his movies are always kind of like um, stand out and very, you know, very much a part of the the storytelling and everything. Um, and all that still, still works here. Like even, I just didn't know how he was going to pull that type of stuff off um, with such a, you know, not basic story, but a more, you know, more traditional story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it's not but, flying around in outer space with Matthew McConaughey. It's like, right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so how, how are you going to make, you know, how are you going to make this feel, um, feel as big as your other movies? But the thing is the, the things, the conversations that are happening, the, the things that are going on, you know, the actions being taken and the repercussions of those actions are so big that mm-hmm. um, it just kind of, I, I thought it was really impressive how he was able to, pull you know kind of put us in like the the immensity of these consequences and um uh, and the you know the action and ambition of these these people these scientists um and kind of not only evaluate them psychologically and you know analyze them as far as how they deal with this like moral quandary that they're having to you know Mm -hmm. deal with but um but kind of further even illustrate that through the the scope of uh the cinematography the way it integrates the score you know mm-hmm. with the performances because the i mean uh, you know it's impossible not to mention the cast but we can't sit here and read off everybody's <laughs> name who's in this yeah. um but like everybody just feel like comes in and out of it so naturally and mm-hmm. a lot of it feels very much like of a long extended montage that's set to this um I can't, I, you know, I'll fumble his name. It's like Ludwig Gornson. He's done, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of notable uh, scores, but like he's, this is the second time working with Nolan and it just, it just, you know, again with the editing um, and how it's cut together, like it moves so quickly. Like I feel like a lot of people are going to complain when it kind of climaxes at the end of that second hour with the the Trinity test and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but even through that third hour where it's more procedural, you know, more the legal perspective and everything. Um, I was just because, you know, because it was exploring the, the repercussions, not just on Oppenheimer, you know, psychologically, but like uh, systematically, you know, how Mm -hmm. that, how that um, continued and everything and, and, and kind of made him, you know, led to his demise in a way, at least uh, from his own perspective. Um, I, I just thought it was fascinating that he was able to take, what might otherwise be, you know, you know, boring conversation, not boring conversations, but seemingly boring settings of men talking in these small mm, yeah. rooms and make the immensity of their conversation, the, um, uh, you know, this, the seriousness of, I hate to use the word seriousness, yeah. but the, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, the staggering yeah. monumental nature of these conversations uh, make you feel them through his technique um, mm-hmm. even though he's just, you know, 
a lot of this is just, you know, conversation. I'm not saying conversation can't be interesting, obviously. Yeah, no, like, but I, th- I think it is know. like maybe his most talky and least action heavy. Yeah, movie. it was just for him. Yeah. I wasn't sure how those two would kind of collide. And I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of this movie is about, you know, contradictions, uh, you know, in in physics and in in man and everything. And and so I was kind of wondering about that, that contradiction myself of how Nolan's style and technique was going to match yeah. up with this type of storytelling. But I think that's what was most impressive to me about about this movie. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think it seems like it's it was more like a political thriller feeling than I expected. And I think that's a lot of the you know, it's a lot of dialogue, but it's all very, um, it, I, I, as soon as this was over, it was like a weird compliment. It was like, that was an incredible, incredibly edited movie. Like you just mentioned that. Yeah. I think it is like the visually and like the soundtrack and the, um, sound design and, and mm. the performances that you're saying it all, I think it felt so cohesive that, and that's, I think that's where you you're like, this is a really seasoned filmmaker who really knows what he's doing. And, and yeah. I think the pacing is just perfect even though you know it's three hours it didn't feel like a slog at all um so yeah i completely agree and it, even though so much of it is just dialogue but yeah just visually i thought this was incredible um yeah you're right we can't just list out all the performers but i will mention <laughs> a couple that i thought were really good like obviously killian murphy like tremendous so incredible absolute powerhouse performance um, i already mentioned emily blunt i think she does do really good work in this as well uh, and not like I haven't seen just a ton of her movies, I guess, but not exactly what we expect from her as a performer. I think mm-hmm. at least I didn't um, Robert Downey Jr. Very, very good. It's so nice to see him. Like I feel like post MCU, I haven't seen him do just a ton. That was, has been very exciting. I have to look at his last oh, few right. movies, but, uh, but this was, yeah, so, so good from him. Uh, but then, you know, the one, one supporter that I will mention is um, Alden Ehrenreich. I thought was great in this. And I, I always loved him from, uh, Oh, he's in Solo, but then he was in the, yeah. the Coen Brothers movie. Uh, Hail Caesar, yeah. Hail Caesar, yes. That's with that hilarious scene. But like <laughs> yeah. since then, always kind of key into him. But I thought he was really great in this. And like he, his, he's like, I don't want to spoil anything. Like he, he has a, there's a little bit of a shift in his character that I thought uh, was really compelling. So I like that yeah. a little lot. Um, and then just a couple little moments that are not spoiler that I'll mention. There's what there's a moment when he's, when Oppenheimer's wearing the military suit and then his friend was like you gotta you gotta take that off and then we get like a suiting up scene i was like oh it's feel like i'm in batman suddenly like, I, putting on the garb i was like that's pretty cool Little i did touch. chuckle at that but i was like <laughs> yes at the same time i was amped by it i was just like oh sweet this is yes. nolan doing nolan for sure getting on his hat <laughs> and yeah exactly uh, but then uh one line that i really liked early and i'm gonna mess it up because i can't i didn't write it down but um it's when he's a student and uh he is meeting Niels Bohr for the first time and he says uh there's something about he's not that good at algebra or something mm-hmm. I, and i and then he's like algebra is like sheet music what's important is can you hear the music and and i thought that was a cool oh my way God. to uh yes think it, about like he's like this visionary scientist or physicist that um that was a cool way to to just bring that to together no i i i loved it because it was just i love when people can so succinctly make something you know like that like emotions things that are otherwise kind of ethereal just like yeah feel yeah. so like summed up perfectly and when he said that i was just like i completely understand what you're saying and it's yeah. it, I, just, I loved that little phrase really i wish well. i had written it down yeah, yeah. i was like <laughs> really I, maybe that it's little things like that i was like oh the writing is great <laughs> yeah yeah completely agree yeah. 
the stuff that and the uh, like uh there was one near the end you're kind of the, like um uh like the truly vindictive patient is saints and like how true mm-hmm. power stays in the shadows just little nuggets yeah. like that mm-hmm. throughout that i was just like oh man uh yeah. not to mention the i won't spoil it but the final line i was just like oh yeah that, that whole really that whole scenario but anyways well, let's talk about spoilers now, I think, because that's that's next on my agenda here. Okay, so if good. you haven't watched Oppenheimer, <laughs> now is the time to tune out. So let's talk spoilers. What did you like about this movie uh, in the realm of spoilers? Um, I guess, let's see. Well, I, okay, so um, we'll go here because I've, uh, once I kind of finished like writing my thoughts down about it and everything, um, I did start listening to um, you know, a couple podcasts about it or watching mm-hmm. some other reviews, reading some articles about it and interviews with Nolan and everything. Um, and so, and I, and I actually heard some, you know, um, like differing opinions on this, but right out of the movie, I absolutely like, oh, may, might be sequence of the year for me is the one when he walks into the gym after mm-hmm. the bomb is dropped. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Favorite scene of the movie. So, so mine too. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah my, it, mine too. Like I was like, it just felt like everything in that scene was like Nolan utilizing all the, all the tools he had, the, the sound design of that, the, mm-hmm. the little flash, it, the, the lighting of it, the flashes mm-hmm. of the woman who is apparently his daughter or someone told me, I did not realize. Oh, that's, that. I heard, I remember seeing something about Nolan cast his daughter as a victim. And I didn't realize that was her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, with the, the skin and everything and Oof, uh, yeah. And, um, but, and I thought that was effective how they showed that, you know, in that moment, in that sequence. Um, mm-hmm. But then later, when it was like reviewing the damage and the, you know, the effects of the bomb, uh, you know, when it was dropped, uh, it didn't show the slides or anything. It only, it was that slow pan in on Oppenheimer, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of his reaction to them, but it never, you know, it, it showed, um, you know, the, the effects of the bomb hitting without actually showing the bomb hitting, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I knew Nolan would be smart enough to do that and not like try to take advantage of that or anything, uh, or, you know, try to recreate that necessarily if for nothing else, because he was never going to be able to do it practically. But, uh, it was, yeah, that, that whole sequence I thought just really kind of crystallized, um, why this movie works so well and why Nolan was, um, you know, or why Nolan's version of this story works so well. And uh, yeah, that, I don't know if that's necessarily spoilers, but you know. Yeah. I wasn't sure either, but I held it for this section too, but yeah, yeah. I think that scene is so good. And it's um, you're getting the psychological effects on him. You're also mm-hmm. understanding the effects of the bomb as you're saying. And yeah, it's like a really clever way to sidestep showing the actual bomb. Cause some people are mad about it. I'm seeing some reactions like, Oh, we should have seen Hiroshima. Yeah. Uh, but I think, for one thing, you're sidestepping, like showing brutalized bodies in another country, like which we we have. There's plenty of that in cinema. We don't need it. But right. and also like he's seeing the effect on Americans, you know, in his mind. Um, and I think that's the like the anti-war message, right? Is that here, like these are innocent people, and here's here's the innocent people he knows, and imagining them in those scenarios, and um, yeah, it's it's like takes it out of like oh we just did this thing to some foreigners on the other side of the world mm-hmm. like it here's imagining it happening right here i thought that was yeah. a really good way to do it and yeah the sound design and like the shaking like the background starts to like wobble almost as he's like losing control I thought that was really really well done yeah and they kind of like re-emphasize it 
or I guess it's, I guess that would have been before, but like, you know, when they go to the meeting, uh, when he mm-hmm. goes with Matt Damon's character to the meeting and uh, James Remar is like reading off the lists of options. Oh, for the yeah. And that, you know, the line about the honeymoon and everything. And then it was just kind of like that resonating with him even more mm-hmm. in, in that sequence. Cause it's just, uh, I don't know. You just, yeah, you feel the, how conflicted he is about, uh, you know, and it comes down to it in the end too, in the interrogation room, basically the kind of uh, the actions he took versus, you know, the gut feelings he actually mm-hmm. had um, and just that, that inner conflict and everything, you know, what you're yeah. supposed to do versus what you feel you should do and, and, you know, how you execute on that kind of thing. But it was, yeah, it was, it was very, uh, it was just heavy. It was really heavy, yeah. but so well done. Yeah. And I think that inner turmoil is so, so well depicted. And it's like towards the end of the movie, someone is saying, I can't remember in what situation it is, but like, Oh, you said this at one point and you said this other thing at this other point, like, what do you actually believe? And mm-hmm. then like, you don't even know, do you? And like <laughs> that, like, I mean, I've felt that way before, like uh, feeling so torn in two directions and not sure what I actually think about it. And, and obviously this is like the biggest thing of his whole life but right. yeah, i thought that was really really well captured um and yeah just like the so so much of this is yeah sitting in room talking kind of scenes but so compelling but then i think the most electric to is it like it's not an action scene but like the leading up to the trinity stuff is like you feel the tension so much more oh, like yeah. that sequence i think incredibly well edited sound design of the trinity moment when the bomb's going off so so incredible such good filmmaking yeah. and such a well put together sequence um i love the scene with harry truman such a funny <laughs> little thing and like he calls him a crybaby like that's such a and which I is think, so i studied truman back in real yeah okay, i think so, so. yeah I was gonna say. but apparently the insult was worse is that do you know if this is oh i don't know correct? about that but i mean oh, okay. I, from what i know about harry truman I, I mean i did like in junior high i did like read some stuff about him but i know he was very gruff and like i'm sure that he actually <laughs> said that and worse yeah um but yeah that's a, that was a fascinating thing and, and and it's also like the whole uh it, it's it's the same you always hear like the the nazi soldiers who we're just following orders, right? But then doing the worst things in the world, like, and he's like, "Oh, it's not your fault. You just built it. I'm the one who dropped it." Like, right. where does the where does the buck stop? And all of that is really interesting as well. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing on my list was uh, there's a just a line I really loved, and it has to do with yeah with oh yeah. And then I have to talk about like the if there was anything that I felt was a little contrived about the script in this one, and and I think it works really well, and I want to watch it a second time, but it was there's sort of a twist with the fact that Robert Downey Jr.'s character uh, Strauss is kind of the orchestrator of he's mm-hmm. sort of the villain here but you don't know right. that for the first like two-thirds of the movie um and so like I don't know the, the way that I, I maybe I'm just sensitive about twists and like feeling like you tricked me too much or like it could have <laughs> been uh I, I don't know but I, I thought thought it worked really pretty much pretty good but then what I really liked about it um was Alden Ehrenreich's character and like his shift towards Strauss and uh, there's a great line where it's after um, Rami Malek has done his testimony, which is such an electric scene too. That's so, so good. Um, but they're back in his like cabinet office or whatever. And he says, what's his angle? Like this scientist guy, what, what Robert Downey Jr. says, what's his angle? Why is he doing this? And then Alden Frank says, um, do people need a reason to do the right thing? Like yep. that's such a, like a, I mean, it sounds such a, a simple, such a simple little line, but like in the context of it, it's, so well delivered and uh just the perfect like um yeah succinct succinct little 
bit mm-hmm. of writing. That was great. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed that. I also like having Rami Malek there, like in two scenes prior, just holding a clipboard, and mm-hmm. me being like, "Is this Oscar winner just gonna like stand here this whole movie?" <laughs> I did think uh, like, he's got to have something big coming. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was like I was like, "Man, we're really cutting close here." When he finally showed up, I but... thought he would end up being the rat for some because there's there was like oh, oh yeah. someone a spy. I was like, it "Must be him." Because he he's did. Such a he, he, gives, he gives off that villain vibe. <laughs> yeah. He does. That's true. Uh, but yeah, no, that's. Um, uh, I was really like warmed up to Robert Tuddy Jr.'s character, like especially in those first yeah. couple of scenes and everything. And it was like, oh, no, you just, you know, you you got him a post at, at this prestigious, you know, yeah. Uh, what, what I can't even remember what school it was. Uh, that's my lack of I research. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, and yeah, and then for that twist to happen, I mean, it did. You know, it was gradual. I think you know you could see him getting angry or, or like the kind of the descent between the two of them, uh, that conversation mm-hmm. when, when Russia, uh, uh, tests their bomb and, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, clearly that tension and everything, but, um, but man, yeah. And I, it did feel like it was more, um, maybe in service of the theme or the ideas that Nolan was trying to discuss rather mm-hmm. than, you know, uh, organic or natural to the, the character arc, you know, within this three hour span. But, um again yeah like you said it 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 made me it made me want to go back and read about all these different individuals and see how close it got and watch mm-hmm. more documentaries about about the manhattan project or you know and, and and get to know all these people involved all the scientists but also you know people like strauss and things so um you know i'd be very interested to uh to kind of see how it, how it compares to reality but as far yeah. as the movie and especially with the, you know, the little um, plot device of Strauss wondering what, you know, he and Einstein talked about and then bringing it all the way around for the final moment. I just, I loved how that was constructed and everything. So, and just, again, so effective. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. So like my, my one complaint with the movie really is a minor thing. And, uh, and that's something too, like I want to, I need to see it again to, pay more attention to that plot line maybe i would feel differently about it but I'm, i think i'm on guard too with no one like is he gonna is he gonna try to trick me or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i probably have the wrong attitude about it but anyway really really enjoyed Oppenheimer. sounds like you did as well and i think we can wrap up there thank you so much for coming on the show again philip always a pleasure and uh, absolutely I really appreciate your time yeah no thank you so much i appreciate it huge thanks to philip huge thanks to Lindsay. Huge thanks to Zach and William for making this episode awesome. Stay tuned. Next time on the show, we're talking about the new A24 horror film, Talk to Me. Very excited for that conversation. And then after that, the plan is to get back to the Aronofsky series with Michael Darty. I hate that the Aronofsky episodes have been pushed back so much, but the schedule has been tricky lately. Planning to get the final two of those out soon. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Arthouse Garage. We have a few years worth of episodes. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support us, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage, or there's a link in the show notes for that. You can also buy a t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. We actually have a new Barbie shirt. That's pretty funny. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. That is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to the email newsletter, 
arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can always email me directly, Andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. Bye.